Okay, everyone, thank you for joining. We are holding over here in the middle of the share that I started Sunday morning uh, on Vayetze Yaakov and Be'er Shava. So just a brief, uh, a brief, a brief, um, this is in Sefer Be'uri Azoyar from the Mitla Rebbe, um, or the Alta Rebbe, because it's his memoir, recorded by his son, the Mitla Rebbe. And uh, we're holding on Dafla Ches in the new version of, of Be'uri Azoyar. In the old version, it's on Daf Yud Zayin. And uh, the point that we learned last week is the spiritual dynamics of Ayetze Yaakov. We were learning that Yaakov represents the, the, the infusion of godly light. The whole story of Yaakov Avinu leaving Be'er Shava and going to Haran is a, represents a mystical journey where the intensification of new infusion of, of infinite light into the into the Seder Ishtalshalos, into the order of progression of worlds. And the way it has to work is that the light of Chachmah, which Chachmah is the recipient of the Orein Sof, so Chachmah, uh, there's Chachmah, and then there is yes, the Yesod element of Chachmah. The Yesod element of Chachmah, Yesod is always bonding. So Yesod is always related to transmission. Yesod is always related to being able to take a, 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 a certain energy and pass it on forward. So the Yesod of Chachmah, as he called it Yesod Abba, the Yesod of Chachmah, who is Yaakov. Remember, we spoke in the last class that Yaakov and Moshe are both on the same level. They're both the infusion of godliness of the infinite into creation, into the world. Moshe is on a much deeper level. Moshe is the inside and Yaakov is the outside. That's why sometimes we say that, we learned last week, that in general we say the forefathers, including Yaakov, Avram, Yitzhak, and Yaakov, did not merit to receive light, the 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 um, the limitless light of Chachma. Their revelation was only Kel Shakai, as it says later in uh, in Shemos. The Eira Avais that Hashem revealed Himself to Avram Yitzchak and Yaakov only be Kel Shakai, which we discussed last week. Kel Shakai means not last week Sunday. Kel we said is the radiance of Chachma because Chachma is called Yesh. Chachma is called three hundred and ten. Yesh is three ten. A radiance of Chachma. Is a tenth of it, so three ten a tenth of three hundred and ten is only thirty one, so that's called kale because kale is gematria thirty one. Shakai is when it goes into bina, which bina puts limitations on the light. So when and 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 only then does the light illuminate to the forefathers to Avram, Yitzhak, and Yaakov, which they are the they are the emotions. So the emotions are being informed and and inspired and and, and invigorated by only a radiance, a tenth of the light of Chachma that's going through Bina and only through Chachma after it comes through Bina will it descend into the seven emotions to invigorate them. However, Yaakov and Moshe, I'm sorry, have a Moshe Rabbeinu, uh, Hashem says, I revealed myself to him, to you I'm going I'm to reveal the name Yudke Vavke, which is in general the light of Chachma itself, which means the pure Orin Sof, the pure Orin Sof in its purity, is going to be revealed to Moshe. That's why, in general, when we speak about Moshe and Yaakov, Moshe is much higher than Yaakov. But on some level, had the forefathers, including had the forefathers, not had any any connection yet to this illumination, then the children would not be able to do it, even including Moshe, because nothing could be original in the in the lives of the children. Everything had to be started by the forefathers. So, in some way, we say that Yaakov is also related to this transcendental level of Chachma. And both of them, Moshe and Yaakov, are the Yesod element of Chachma. What's Yesod? Yesod is transmission. 
they had the unique ability to transmit the light of Chachma downward. That's why we say, Hakoil Koil Yaakov. Yaakov is the voice. What's voice? He is the divine voice in creation. The, the voice of God in the cosmos, which means, what's voice? But sound. Sound is an emanation. When a person wants to project, you project through sound. If you're in a non-projected state, you're sitting in an audience and you're quiet and you're silent and no one might, people might not know even that you exist, that you're there, then you're silent. But when you want to project your opinion, your ideas, yourself, your being in a room full of people, or maybe not full of people, but some people, you uh, you raise your voice and then you're heard. So coil means a projection of self. The projection of God into the world is through Yaakov. So we were learning in the three, and that's the meaning of a Yetzeh Yaakov, this whole emergence of the private element of the divine of god as god is for himself residing in the infinite to project and to reveal himself and to transmit himself into the universe into creation is the concept of so we learned the system is the yaakov goes out first the lights of chachma the first emergence of chachma is into bina and Bina is called Be'er Shava, the well of seven, because Bina is the source uh, of, 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 of where the seven emotions derive their energy from. Bina is the mother. I'm not going through all these ideas because we learned it last week. Listen to the Sunday class. So over there we learned how Bina is called the mother, the well of the seven. And it's called the well because it's already stationary water, as opposed to Chachma, which is... Because Bina doesn't originate. Bina is just a receptacle. Bina is just taking Chachma energy and, and dissecting it, analyzing it. Chachma is the originator. Chachma is the creative mind. So Chachma is called a mayon, a spring. A spring is where water originates in. But a well is no water doesn't originate in a well. Water flows into the well. So Chachma flowing into Bina, Bina is called the well, from where the seven um, emotions take their, their life force from. They're invigorated by the life of Bina. So Yaakov, who was higher than Bina, first enters into Bina. That means he was living in Be'er Shava. He was living in Be'er Shava. And then he leaves Be'er Shava. Vayetze Yaakov, he goes out from Be'er Shava. That's when Chachma passes through Bina. And, and in a sense, Bina hides Chachma. Because a lot of times when you have a flash and you have an incredible epiphany, and once you start over and analyzing it, you start like analyzing, you put it into analytical side, you lose the intensity, the beauty of it, the richness of it, the, the, the energy of it is lost because you're getting too caught up in the details. Almost like you lose the forest, you lose the forest for the trees. You get caught up in the details of the trees and you're not seeing any more the bigger forest. So sometimes that's a situation that the that Chachma gets concealed in Bina. But that's not the point. The point of it is that after you have all the details, you reconnect to the point, and then the point continues to onward to excite the emotions. And that's the meaning that Yaakov, who is this divine flow from the orange Sof, the light of Chachma, passing it down. First, first he appears in Be'er Sheva, then he leaves Be'er Sheva. And where does he go? He goes down into the emotions to illuminate the emotions, but ultimate destination is Malchus. And that's what it means. He goes to Charan. Charan, as we're soon going to see, we didn't learn that yet. Charan is the world of Malchus, which is, 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 is already a dry place. Malchus is already speech. It's already after the emotions are excited. It's when you're really going out into the external level of, of, of being. And to God, it means the divine energy leaving the divine range, getting starting to make its way into creation. 
That's already called Haran, a very dry place, a place full of constrictions and limitations. But the beauty of Yaakov is that he's going to go down even to Haran and bring divine light even to Haran. Now, Yaakov is obviously a metaphor for all of us because we're all, or Yaakov is the trailblazer for all of us. He is the source of all of us. And we are all the little Yankalas who are going to walk through, take the same journey from the infinite all the way to Haran. And our lives, where are we living? We live in a world of constrictions. We live in a world where there is a lack of godly and our godly experience. And our work is to infuse hakoil kol yakoy, to infuse God's voice. Each, every single one of us is a channel for God's voice into the tiny little sections of life that are not illuminated with godliness, where God is waiting that we should illuminate and channel his voice. You come into a room, you come into a place, meeting people, any kind of society, any kind of place, you need to be, we need to be God's voice and to bring a divine consciousness into that setting, no matter who it is, Jews or Gentile. That's our avoda. In the Haran world where godliness is dried up, that's what we need to bring light. That's the general idea. So the Zohar, we learned last week, compares this whole journey of Yaakov, Reb Chia. Reb Chia is the, the sage in the Zohar who is speaking. So he takes this idea. In order to explain this concept of this whole divine journey. So what we really learned over here is how the lights of Chachma pass through the whole world, the, the divine realms from level to level. Because so far we're talking just a journey in the divine, from the inner, inner, inner realms of the divine, from the infinite, through the attributes, all the way out, out, out into Charan. But this, so this whole journey is 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 also reflected in the verse in Kahelas that talks about the sun rising every day. And the Zohar makes a comparison between Yaakov and the sun. And the Zohar says that the sun is Yaakov. Yaakov is the sun. And just like the sun rises on the east, so the rising of the sun on the east is a verse that says in Kahelas where it says, the um, Hashemesh, the sun rises, Uba Hashemesh and the sun sets. And then it says, the Elm, uh, what's the verse? The Elm Yeah, the Elm Akoymai, and to its place, Sham over the, is Shayev Over there it re, 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 re rises again. It strives and it re rises over there again. So what does that mean? So if we can now re, 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 uh, um, re, what we call it, re, um, reset. We're doing the same journey, but we're going to use different characters. Instead of using Yaakov and Be'er Shava. So what do we have now? We have Yaakov, right? We have Yaakov. He's the, he, he, he represents the infinite infusion, the light. We have the, we have the place. Where does he come first? Into Be'er Shava. And then, then he leaves Be'er Shava and he passes through he leaves Be'er Sheva and he passes through the Sheva. He goes through into the seven emotions and eventually he comes to Chara. Right? So we have Yaakov, who's the same Yaakov who's moving through all these places. So now we're going to say, we're going to see that same journey as the sun. The sun is Yaakov. It makes perfectly sense because what's the sun? The sun is this divine illumination that's coming to illuminate in the, in the darkness of of the world and and how to, where does it appear first the first revelation of the sun is in the east 
The East is Bina. The reason why Bina is called is East, because East in Hebrew is Mizrach. And what's Mizrach? The word Mizrach comes from the word Zoreach. Zoreach means shining. The reason why the East is called Mizrach is because it is the first place where the sun shines. It is Zoreach. Every morning, the east side, the east side of the sky lights up first. So the east side lighting up, the words, it's not the word Zoreach, it's Mizrach. Mizrach means it is affected by the Zericha. It is a recipient of the radiance. So the sun rising in the east means Chachma getting married to Bina. Bina is the east. Chachma is the sun. The sun entering the east side is the sun, is Chachma projecting its light into Bina, infusing Bina. That's the east, that's the sunrise every morning. It's this union of Chachma and Bina. So what we're seeing in the physical is just a re, it's just literally a manifestation of the daily force of creation. Every day, this, this energy is every day happens. Chachma transmits into Bina. The sun emerges in the east. That's that's Yaakov being in Be'er Sheva. So the Zohar says, when Yaakov is in Be'er Sheva, that's the, that's the Zohar HaShem, that's the sun rising. But Yaakov leaves Be'er Sheva, and then he goes forward. That's the sun leaving the east and starts to illuminate the six directions of the, of, of the, of the, the four directions and the whole world. That means it's coming into the emotions because the emotions are the six directions. So then the sun is now and then fills, the sun's light fills the entire world. That means that all the emotions are informed with the light of Chachma. Yaakov is not only in Be'er Sheva, which is the mother of the seven, Yaakov is in the seven. But then where does the sun go? The sun travels through the sky and it sets in the west. The west is Haran. So when the sun is setting, that's exactly Yaakov descending away from Eretz Yisrael, going to a dark place. So what's happening? It gets dark. But it's not like the sun disappears. The sun is going under the earth and is going to illuminate the darkness. Now, simply in the way it is physically, the sun never sets. To us, the sun sets. The, the sun itself, wherever the sun goes, is day. It's not like the sun is ever but metaphorically speaking, at night, when the sun sets on the west, the metaphor is that the sun is plunging into darkness. Now, once it's going into darkness, it almost seems like the sun is not effective anymore. It's almost like Yaakov going into Haran in a very dark place, hanging out with his uncle Lavan, who was the opposite of Yaakov. He's, he doesn't represent uh, the morality, the ethics, the holiness, the godliness of Yaakov. He represents everything that's antithetical to Yaakov. And that's trying to extinguish the divine light. So it's almost like night when the sun is going to be put out. So he's going to say in today's class, we didn't get to that yet, he's going to reveal to us in today's class that when the sun is sets at night, it doesn't stop impacting the dark world that it left. It's still impacting the dark, dark world that it left, but how's it doing it? It's from beneath the earth, it's shining to the moon and it's reflecting off the moon and the moon is, 
giving light. So it's not such a dynamic light. It's a much weaker light, but it's still illuminating. It's illuminating in a much softer way, which is the process of godliness in a non-godly world. If God would keep the sun shining as if it's day, 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 then we would never have a creation because the truth of God wouldn't allow for a creation to exist. We would see it's only him. There's nothing but him. So the sun has to set, which means we have to enter into a world where there is space, right? Where there is space. There has to be space for creations to exist. There has to be space for our own consciousness, for our own being. Yet within our own space, because godliness because godliness is, is still shining in this world through Torah and mitzvot that we do in this world, through the voice, the voice of Yaakov, even in the darkness, we're able to reflect godly light even after the sun sets, which means even in the dimensions where creation is already where, where, where there's sunset. There is no direct illumination of the of the of the of the Yisoyed Abba, the light of Chokhmah which is such clear divinity is no more felt but it's still giving off a secondary light that's what we're going to get to today this is what he's going to discuss now i just just to add one very beautiful point that we learned in the last class is that when we speak about this illumination of yaakov passing through the sky which is it's, it's the same journey of the sun and the sun setting we, we discussed last week that the point of this, of Yaakov's emergence, of the sun's emergence, we're not dealing with the energy flow to create the world. That, that, that too evolves a process of Chachma giving to Bina and Bina giving to Ma, creating all the emotions. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about post-creation. Creation happened. And the finite worlds were created with all the limitations and boundaries of a finite world. When we are speaking about Yaakov's emergence from the Er Sheva and Yaakov moving outward and illuminating the world, we're talking about the added lights that are added to the cosmos, to add it to the world, added to the universe as a result of Torah mitzvahs that we do. So we're not talking about the fusion of Chachma and Bina that happens at the time of creation or just a minimal type of fusion from Chachma to Bina to the emotions, just to sustain the world as is. That's not the point. We're talking about an incredible additions of light, new light, new energy. And what's the purpose of this new light? So we learned something really, really magnificent in Sunday's class. And that is when you add added, added infusions of Chachma to Bina, which is continuously happening through our mitzvot that we're doing and through our Torah study that we are studying, which is the idea of a kol, kol Yaakov, the voice, the voice of Yaakov, what's happening is the infinite light of the orange Sof, which is being captured in Chachma, transmitted to Bina and going into the emotions, is that it's bringing and it's what's, what it's doing is it's, it's refining the vessels of the containers. The, I'm sorry, the the, the 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 boundaries of the containers, it's refining them. It's 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 and he gives a beautiful example. He says, if you take um in general, he says, when you take a, a cup and I have water and the water is only halfway full, then I kind of see the cup. The cup then is very much 
pronounced. What do I mean the cup or the glass is pronounced? The limitations of the gla- of the va- of the vessel is felt very strongly. But when you pour, 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 and then suddenly when you get to the top, it overflows and it starts pouring on the side. And if you're really pouring a lot and it's really overflowing, at a certain point you don't see any more of the glass because the glass is so flooded by the liquid. And then all you see is the water. You don't you hardly see the glass. Or if you see the glass, it's a very, very subtle. You don't even see it because it's overflowing. And that's one example that he gives. Another example that he gives, that's basically flooding something from the outside. But then he says there's another way in which you can affect the vessel. If you have a barrel of wine, and let's say it's made out of clay or whatever, and you let the wine sit there for years and years and years, you never remove the wine, the barrel gets saturated with the wine to the point that the definition of the, of the like you have sherry casks, it's exactly that. The cask itself is sherry, is wine. It's because it sat in sherry, then the, 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 the cask itself became sherry. That's why you have a whole question in halacha with different uh, different spirits, different uh, um, um, alcohol, uh, scotch and whatever different things that are that were that were that were in sherry casks because sherry is, is not kosher and the casks that it's being soaked in and then it gives taste into the thing. Because what happens, so, that, so what you're having over here is that it's the bottle itself or the containers itself become so saturated and soaked up with the wine that they, they themselves have already a taste of wine. They are wine. So it comes out there are two ways in which you can affect the vessel. One is through the inside, the, 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 the liquid that's in the inside. But that takes a very long time. When it's there and it, it sits and sits and sits continuously, it begins to permeate the walls of the vessel. But then there's another way when it overflows from the outside. So he explains an amazing thing. The vessels and containers of finiteness that have been the definition and defining factor of creation for thousands of years, which really are the, 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 the underpinnings the the foundations the 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 um, the root of time and space time and space is limitations so this whole reality that we live in in which the finite world that we really live in and as a result of that consequentially as a result of that we are separate entities from the infinite and therefore our existence is finite and we wear and tear and as a result of that comes illness and as a result of that comes lacking and as a result of that comes every type of problem it's all because of the wear and tear and the aging process where things age and disintegrate and fall apart and then eventually there is the opposite of life. We think, but that's only as long as the world is a derivative of these containers and the vessels and all that, which create distinction, separation, and limitation in creation. But as a result of the added light that we continuously, he brings an interesting word, he says 6,000 years of constant learning Torah, constant kokol Yaakov, constant this powerful flow of Yaakov energy, flowing through from Chachmet to Bina, saturating the emotions, both with encompassing lights and indwelling lights of Torah and mitzvahs, we are soaking the containers with infinity. And to a certain point, the, fin- the finitude of the, the finitude of the vessels dissolve. And it's not like our existence dissolves, but our limitations dissolve. We become so identified with the wine, with the infinite, that even though we're finite, we cease to have the limitations of a finite being, and therefore we become infinite. We live forever. We we have no more aging. We have no more definitions that define define and make us kind of 
We're no more separate. We're just, we become, we melt into the infinite and we're part of the infinite. Why we are who we are. Because it's not that there's no vessels. When he says by the vessels of the wine, it's not like there was no, it's just saturated with the wine to the point that it identifies more with the wine than with the finite, than, 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 its, than its limitation. And this incredible fusion this is why that's the Jewish contribution to the world. We elevate and we take it, we liberate the world from its confinements and limitations. And this is a, a process of, of soaking the world in godliness for thousands of years from this flow of energy that, that begins with Yaakov leaving Be'er Sheva, emerging outward and going down to Haran to begin this process and reaching even. So now, till Yaakov goes to Haran, this whole process is mainly a process of illuminating the vessels, but those vessels are still godly. We haven't yet touched creation. We have only affected and impacted the inner dimensions of creation, which is still the divine vessels, which are the source of creation. We haven't touched creation itself. We haven't touched yet the literal world of time and space. That has not yet been impacted by the infinite light. The infinite light has not reached it because Yaakov has not yet gone to Haran. The sun has not set yet in the West. It's still somewhere in the, mid, the middle of the day. But when Yaakov goes to Haran, that's when the sun is actually setting in the West, which means the real work begins, which means to go down into the darkness and over there do the repair. A place where there's already real separation, and yet even in the place where there's so, separ so much separation and so much there that can, that can threaten, that not only is it not impacted by godliness, it's not impacted. In other words, it doesn't want to yield. It doesn't want to bend to the divine. But even more that, it threatens to extinguish the influencer. It's trying to put out your light. You're trying to influence these people. You're trying to bring uh, inspiration. You're trying to eliminate. And instead, it's threatening you. It's going to extinguish your light. And sometimes we get overwhelmed by whatever our environment is. But, 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 but since, since divinity is true and real, and this is God's purpose and God's plan for creation, Ultimately, we oh, we prevail over all those obstacles, and our light shines and breaks through, and overpowers. And not only do we not falter, but we actually take the very klipa itself and all these elements that have trying to block godliness and saturate them with godliness, and they too get swept up and and melt into the light. And that's Mashiach. So that's the process. Okay. So where we're holding here's where we're holding in the Mimer by Uba Hashemesh Kad so here we go. Says the Alter Rebbe. So the Zohar now says, Hashemesh, and the sun sets, Kad and when Yaakov goes to Haran, so now he begins to explain what is Haran. Pirish Haran Ubchinas Din. Haran means, comes from the word Haron, which means Haron means wrath, which is the wrath, is the idea of judgment. It's referring to a level where there is Gvura, which Gvura means judgments, Vidinim. Hachuzim Bemidas Amalchus, which are Already in Malchus, in the feminine dimension of kingship, there's a lot of gavura there. And, and, and Malchus produces already forces of, it's already the source word for creation. And along with creation comes all kinds of dark stuff. So, but that's, but that's God's pleasure. He doesn't have pleasure if we create, if we experience, if, if, if godliness is experienced in a world where there's no challenge. He wants a challenge. And in the place of challenge and in the place of, of, of uh, antagonizers over there, his truth should be pronounced. 
So that's that that's why that that's the that's where Malchus is pivotal because Malchus calls for a creation. Malchus is the source of, of the Shekhinah, is the source of the creation, it's the source of the world. And Haran, and there and therefore Malchus, the last stage of Atsilos is called Haran, because that's where there's a lot of constrictions, a lot of a lot of already um you know uh, uh um, restraining of light. Because Malchus, as we spoke so many times, is this massive filter and screen that holds back the 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 the, the godliness from from showing from revealing itself, so that there can be a creation. But that's only when God created the world. Then what does He want? He He sends us into the world to break through the barriers of that filter and pass the filter, even though it's going to be a slow, painful, painful work to illuminate. The other side of the filter, the other side of the curtain, but that's Yaakov's job. Yaakov, so that's why it's so amazing. Because even though Yaakov lived such a holy, godly life when he was living in the land of Israel for 70, 76 years, we don't make a big deal about it. The whole real story of Yaakov is when he goes to Haran. That's when he starts building a family. That's when he starts becoming a a a, 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 a person of interest in the Torah, because that's when he's beginning to to burrow through the darkness. Outside of the land of Israel, amongst swindlers, amongst liars, amongst all the cheats, amongst all the tough stuff, and he's going to break through. So that's the idea that Yaakov is going to Haran. And Malchus is full of judgments, and that's why even Malchus is called Dina de Malchus, the Dinam, the judgments of Malchus. And that's why we also find that Leah, who's Bina, has six boys, which represent the six. Mask, masculine attributes, and then she has one girl, and what's her girl's name? Dina, because Malchus is full of Dina, and she's called Dina. And afterwards, she gives birth to a a daughter, Ishma Dina, and her name is. Dina. And what happens to Dina this week in the parsha? She gets raped. In other words, the idea that the klipa is has power and can and can and kind of derive energy from her and take advantage of her that's the vulnerability that god makes himself vulnerable to all the klipa to all the all the all the stuff on the other side because it's amazing the boys were not hurt dino was but that's that's the vote like chava too chava also represents malchus who does the snake attack in his in god also chava. but the whole purpose is chava and the whole purpose is dina because the whole purpose is in the place where there is possibility for unholiness and for darkness. And not only that, where, where the unholy and the dark sometimes get the upper hand. And yet the ultimate victory is that Kedusha overpowers the Klippa and, 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 and has the ultimate victory. So Shema Dina, and her name is Dina Kiyadu, as it is known. So Vaderech Marshal, and the same is also in, in the an analogy, Hashemesh, the sun, Kishanishka B'mariv, when the sun... Um, sets in the in the West, so we know what the sages say. The Shekhinah is in the West. It is simply it's because in the temple, when you went in, when you walked into the temple, the temple's direction was from east to west. So the farther west you were going in inside the inside the temple, for example, we today when we go to the Western Wall, sometimes people don't realize that that's the back wall of the temple, not of the temple of the wall of the Temple Mount. That means if you were to, when you're standing facing the, the Kotel, you really, if you if the temple would be standing, we would be behind the base Amigdash, not towards the front entrance. The front entrance is towards Mount Scopus, Harazesim. That's the front entrance. It's the other side is the back wall, 
so which is the holy of holies. That's why we mean the Shekhinah is in the West. But it really applies on many levels as well. That means on the West Coast, which is over here in Los Angeles, yes, a lot of Shekhinah over here, which means the darker the place is, the more unholy it is, that's where the ultimate discovery, the ultimate presence of the Shekhinah is in the, is in the West. Because the West represents sunset. And sunset is that it gets dark already. And that's the, and that's the whole idea of Kharan. Kharan represents that same idea. But what happens? That's the point. When the sun sets, it doesn't mean the sun ceases to have influence. God, no sun. No, no, no. It has influence. It has much weaker influence, but in a sense, it's much stronger influence. On the sense, on the one end, it's much weaker because it doesn't have a powerful sun, sun rays. It's not the intense light and brightness of the sun. But 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 on a on a much deeper level, as we spoke earlier, it continues to shine. It's it's bouncing off its light through the moon, and in a sense, that's even a greater achievement because it can shine light even when when it's dark. In other words, it's overpowering the darkness. And that's our life when things get tough, when we get put into places and in environments and situations that are very not godly. And 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 we can throw in God forbid we can throw in the towel or we can know we're there for a purpose. And even though it doesn't always work as fast as we want, and not everybody always comes on board with us, and people give us a hard time, and it's, it, it, we we hit up against a lot of resistance. But if we if, but if we are if we are resilient, if we don't give up, and we just know that this is truth and this is real, in the end we will burrow through. And even if it's not as bright. And as influential as when it's like when you know when a in a different place in a different environment where it's like whoa everybody's listening and everybody's willing to learn Hasidus and everybody's so inspired there's a much tougher community you can't get through to people but but when you are getting through finally even if it's not as bright it's 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 where God's intention is much more right he soiviv so what happens to the son soiviv she goes around mitachas she goes around beneath the 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 kador, the globe of the earth, and then The light of the sun itself is not on the earth. Only the moon and the stars They are illuminated by the light of the sun. So the moon, for sure, we would understand that even the 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 stars, to a certain degree, are reflecting sunlight. That is standing opposite them, and they are illuminating at night. Can you do as it is known? Definitely the planets, other than the sun. Now, this light that that the moon and the stars are reflecting from the light of the sun, it's really sunlight. It's not the essence of the sunlight. It is a a a it's a reflective light it's a reflection of it so it's called a a a light shall toil that's a secondary light it's like a, a told means it's a, it's born from the light it's like one light creates another light the original light hits there and it bounces off so it's like a secondary light it's considered a second light from the sun from the from the moon and the stars and that's what's being reflected on the earth. And even though the sun and the stars are first receiving the light of the sun as is, but what they are reflecting is not that same light. 
it's it's that light, but once it's bounced off, it's already weaker. The point is you can't, it's not the same quality light. The moonlight doesn't compare to the sunlight in terms of the gray, the brightness of it, the intensity of it. It's a much weaker light, but yet it has a certain quality that it's illuminating in the darkness. Uh, this is a secondary light coming from the coming from the sun. Hey. It's a light of birth. It's light that's born from light. So it's it's the second generation light. Is the first generation light? It's the second generation. Or sometimes in Hasidus, the example of this is when you have a light that's shining through a curtain. So the light that's protruding and going through the second light is considered already a secondary light because this curtain weakens it, and and it and it and it you can't compare the light that is unobscured by the curtain and the light that comes through on the other side. It's already it's like a it's already a, the, the 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 level of the brightness is severely diminished. So the new light that's coming through is called the light of Toldot's birth. For the reason is because the thickness of this partition interrupted and now it's giving forth a new light. After it broke through this partition. So similar to that, the moon and the stars, are illuminating a a, 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 a a light of tolda of secondary light after the light of the sun comes to a halt has kind of stopped and this is a secondary light in and what is the metaphor and what does this all represent now we can we can extrapolate the same idea and apply it above the inner you do it is no the until Malchus of Atzilus, which is the last and final attribute in the world of Atzilus, the initial emanation that God emanates, you know, in, in Kabbalah we learned that initially when God creates the world, he creates this black hole, this void, this emptiness, which is a space for the creation. And then what is he, which he, he Hashem removed the, the infinite light, and then he 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 he, he, bring, he he hides himself completely in this space, and then into that space he reasserts and re 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 illuminates or re uh, emanates into this void, into this darkness, a thin little ray of light of his original inf- infinite light. That's called the kav, the light. Now that kav is the creative energy and the illumination through all these infinite dimensions that begin to emerge level after level after level until eventually after many many progressions it gets dimmer and dimmer and dimmer but it's still the initial line it's still the initial light it's less quantity but quality it's still the same line it goes through until it begins to emerge into the world of atzilus and in the world of Atsilus, through all the spheres, Chachma, Bina, and so forth, the seven emotions, six emotions, and what's its final point where it reaches, and, and, and then over there that initial light comes to a halt completely, is when it comes into Malchus. Malchus is still illuminated by that light. But from Malchus and onward, that's where there is the great partition, the great barrier, the great barrier. And that barrier stops the light. 
It's no more the light of that cup. The initial illumination of the infinite is because if that light of the initial illumination of the infinite would, wherever it goes, it would never allow for a creation to exist because it can, can never exist a feeling that there's something other than God. If that a, a, a initial godly light would, would, be, would be present. So therefore it has to be blocked completely from Malchus after Malchus. And that's why creation starts after Malchus. You, you, we take the quantum leap. We go from Atzilus, which is still a divine world, to Bria, which is already a creation. So behold, if the light is completely cut off, then how is there anything? If there's no divine energy, if the light is completely blocked, if this is such a barrier that the light is completely blocked, how does it, how is there anything? Without divine input, how can anything exist? The answer is it continues because the energy does continue, but it's already going through a curtain, a partition, which makes it be considered already a secondary light. And it's not the original. Once it's not the original, this light is not as bright. It's like the light of the moon. That's really just, it's a really, really the light of the sun, but it's already in a whole different form. And that's the idea. Once it's like reconfigured into a whole different form, it can allow us to feel ourselves as creations invigorated by God, but yet we can have some, some kind of beingness. Because if the original light is, we can't have any beingness. Everything is only God. Excuse me. So that's the magic of Malchus. Malchus cuts off the original light. So the 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 irradiance of the kav and the chut, this thread of the matzal of the emanator that blasts through and continues through all the world of atzilus. But between atzilus and bria, between Atsilus and Bria, there is a partition that separates. As stated elsewhere. And if so, this radiance of Malchus of Atsilus, Bibria, when Malchus of Atsilus does continue to shine already into the creation, when it, when it, when it pierces this partition, and, the, and, this, and this curtain, but it's no more considered the same light. Nikra or shall told double that it's considered already a secondary light. Commercial now, like the marshal, the fish and if sack because the initial light, the daylight has ended and now it's nighttime light. The quality of the light is a whole different story. The kavachut, because the initial essential light of the kav, which is the thin line, the chut and the thread, has come to an end. In the world of creation, and what that's attributed to this partition, this filter that blocked it completely. When we say completely, is we mean that it's not allowing anything of the original light, only a child of that second generation. It's a new, it's a new, it's a new form of light. It's a new form, it's a form that can tolerate. The idea that other things exist other than God. At least to the recipients, obviously. And this is what we say in, 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 in there's a passage that says, it's in Tehillim, we say, here, here this beautiful passage. It says, with your light, we see light. What's this double lotion? With your light, we will see light. 
That means like this, our light that we're seeing is not your light. There is your light, but as a, deriv as a derivative of your light, we see light. Because our light is only a reflection of your light. It's a secondary, it's a second generation. That means all our divine illumination is not the real deal. Because the real deal would burn us completely, would destroy us completely. So what is a beautiful example for this? This is, this, this, this is a Atzilus is like daytime. The divine clarity. In that world, the sun is shining. But once we, we get to the end of the world of Atzilus, we get to the west side. Mayrev, what's Mayrev? Mayrev is called Mayrev because it comes from the word Erev. Erev means darkness. The west is where darkness begins. The sun sets on the west and it gets dark. Now, really, it gets dark in the east side first because the sun went away from it. But the concept of the west is when you're expecting darkness, that's when the sun is going down in the west. So the, it's mild, it's where it's getting dark. But, but, but the point over here is the point over here is when it gets dark and God wants a world, He wants a world, but He doesn't want a godless world. He wants a world that should be that that should become godly, that should be given free choice and to choose godliness. Therefore, there has to be potential for light. And that potential for light is the idea that the sun is going beneath and the sun is going to share its light, but through a secondary agent, through bouncing off the moon and the stars. And that's the idea. Just the light of the sun, after it's interrupted and it sets in the west. But then it continues to shine. is in the moon, and in the stars. And from them comes new light on the earth. This is only a light of a, a, a secondary light. Like we said in the in the metaphor. The same is also above. Remember, we're going back to Yaakov. He is this illumination, the yesod, the ability of Chachma to transmit its light. That's called the sun. And its light shines throughout the entire world of Atsilus. And where is it really shining from? It's really coming all the way back to the original light that Hashem has blasted through the darkness of the Tzimtzum at the time of the quintessential beginning, primordial illumination. From this illumination of the thread and the, and the, and the line, canal that we spoke about, that's the first illumination. And that's the voice of Yaakov, which thunders through and carries through all levels. But when the light of Father, the light of Chachma, arrives, when it, when it arrives in Charon, when it arrives in Malchus of Atzilus, because there is a parsa, because there is a partition that stops it, the light sets. And that's why it says in the Pasuk, in Kehelas, the sun rises, the sun sets. Now when Yaakov goes to Charon, what does it say? And what's the first natural event that the Torah describes when Yaakov, this is last week's part, Yaakov leaves Be'er Shava and he goes to Charon. Now what's the first natural event that the Torah describes? Vayol and Sham, he goes to sleep over there, Kiva Hashemesh, because the sunset. Because going to Charon is the same idea of sunset. Yaakov going to Charon is the sunset. Because Yaakov's light is not going to be 
as luminous in Haran as he was in, Eretz, in, in the land of Israel. When he's next to his father and he's surrounded with spirituality, he's a powerhouse of light. When he's coming to Haran, he's severely diminished. He's not as bright. It's like our souls when it comes into a body. We're not as bright as when we were up there in heaven. But as he's going to explain, the purpose of everything is the coolest idea. He says the purpose of everything is sunset, not sunrise. Because the whole reason there is a sunrise and the sun going through the day is only for that moment of sunset where it goes down. Because that's where the divine pleasure is going to be created in the, in the darkness when the sun sets. So he's going to illuminate, he's going to explain an amazing idea that really sunset is sunrise. Because the real purpose of sunrise is sunset. So in the sunset is really sunrise. And that's the truth of sunrise. And in a sense, that's when the, the, the real oomph, the real truth of the sun is more in sunset than it is in sunrise because its whole reason of its existence is to, is to, is to enter into the darkness and from the darkness to illuminate. More than it's shining in that bright world. Yes, it's true. It has to first illuminate in the worlds of light so that it has the power to illuminate in the worlds of darkness. But its purpose is, the, is its illumination in the darkness, albeit that it's a much weaker light, but that's the purpose. So in the sunset is really the intentions of the emanator. And therefore, it's a true, it's it's a deeper sunrise. It's, it's, it's really the essence of sunrise is at the sunset. So... Um, it's only a secondary light in the three lower worlds, Bria, Yatsira, and Asiya, that in general are called nighttime because they're, 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 there's already creation over there. After the sun continues to drive through, after it passes through the partition, the block that blocks from Atsilas to Bria, that's why the Zohar says, the Zohar says explicitly, the sun sets when when Yaakov goes to Charon, that's the sunset. Yaakov was considered Yesod Abba, the Yesod of Chachm. Because in his Neshama, he carries within himself the divine illumination. But when he goes, when he passes through this partition, in other words, when our soul starts to come down into this world, and as the soul is taking its flight, it hits uh, it hits uh, when you it hits uh, turbulence and starts shaking the soul up as it's as it's making its way down. The soul is terrified from all of this, but that's exactly it. It's burrowing through, and finally, till it wakes up in this dark body, and it has to over here do its work. It's a whole different story. Uban, it comes matzilus labria. It comes down from matzilus tabria. The yerida samalchus when when malchus descends. And what happens to Malchus then? Chachma is arriving in the lower worlds through Malchus, where Malchus is no more the tail of the lion. She's becoming the head of the foxes. Because we know Malchus really, there's two levels of Malchus. Malchus in Atsilus is the tail of the, of the lion. But when she goes down into the lower three worlds, she's called the head of the fox. Because we know this, the Mishnah says, you know, don't be the head of the fox. Try to be the tail of the lion. But let's try to. It's better for you to. Personal preference is always to be the, the, the weakest point of the class than to be the top kid in the class. You know, <laughs> be the be, be the tail end of the great than be the head of the not so great. Well, Malchus serves that function because she's the tail end of Atzilus. That's called the lion, and she's also the head of the foxes because she goes down into the lower world. 
A fox is considered a much lower type of animal than the lion. Uh, and how does this transition happen? Through all these incredible constrictions that there are in Malchus. Which is called Charan. When it's called the, 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 the din, the judgment of kingship. And that is because the, because the king needs a people. Which means there needs to be a separation. And, that's, and because of that, there needs to be a lot of concealments and judgments. And then it says that he goes to Haran. But here's the whole point. The whole beginning of the shining. Where does Yaakov begin to shine? We said in the east. What's the east? That's Be'er Sheva. That's where Yaakov appears first. In his father's house in Be'er Sheva. And he's such a beautiful Yaakov. He's so much light to Yaakov. He's sitting and learning all day. No one is bothering him. He's shining with this brightest light. And Rivka is going crazy by her yankala, you know, she's so, he's so beautiful. But this all pre- pre- preparation stage for him to go out into the world. So at the beginning of his illumination in Be'er Sheva, there's the Er Anpin, and then in the Sheva, there's Be'er Sheva, and then there's the Sheva, the seven. Over there, it's the essential light. There, Yaakov is able to shine with the pure truth, the full godliness of Yaakov. That's like the daytime when the sun is shining. That's the sun's shining. But after sunset, it's not, as we keep on saying, we said before, it's not like the sun is gone. It's still influencing, but influencing in a secondary manner. Then it's still shining, but through a secondary medium, through the, through the, through the moon and through the stars. Which is the idea of Malchus. Malchus is the moon. When Malchus is hiding and in a state of concealment in Bria Yitzir and Asi. But yet she's shining. Tonight is talking the full moon. And tonight is also an eclipse. So you have like the challenge of the covering of the moon. But really, even there, when the moon is shining, it's really from the sun. It's really illuminating the light of Father, which is called Son. But it is shining in a manner of concealment. Like sometimes it says in Hasidus, it's like a teacher that is teaching directly or a teacher that's using a metaphor. Once you're using a metaphor, you're already completely trans. You're already taking the idea and completely, you know, repackaging it. And it's much, if the student can only understand it through a metaphor, then their, their underappreciation of the idea is much weaker than the student that doesn't need the metaphor because they're able to perceive the light directly. So the level of understanding of the student who doesn't need the metaphor is much sharper and higher than the one who's only extrapolating the idea through a metaphor. And that's the idea that mal, that Chachma is... Still getting through, but it's getting through through Malchus, and that's that's already. That Yaakov goes down into Yaakov. It's the very same Yaakov. That's the point. The light that's shining from the moon and from the stars. It's the very same sun, but it's the point over here is it's an indirect light. It's the same Yaakov that went out from Be'er Sheva Canal. He is the one that's going to Haran. In our lives, it's our very same soul that for thousands of years was so bright that no one can look at it. 
But when it comes down into this world, it's the very same soul, but just has to shine through a body, a coarse entity. But yeah, we still get through, notwithstanding the body and the coarseness and all mishagas that comes along with it, we still get through with our light. Like it's explained in the previous metaphor, in the illumination of the light of the moon and the stars, which is from the light of the sun. He lodged over there, Kiva Hashemesh, because the sun set. He lodges over there, which means it, I think he means it's a certain type of awakening. From the example that we said before that. But here he continues the Zohar, and the Zohar says, But what does the verse say? And to its very place, it reemerges, it reshines. The simple meaning of the possible. Sunset, don't get depressed. Because tomorrow you'll go back to the east. You'll wake up and you'll look at your east window and you'll see the sun again on the east. So don't get upset at the sunset. El Makoimai, to the very same place where it arose yesterday, it will rise again today. That's the simple meaning of the verse. But the Zohar says, on these words, the Zohar says, that this idea that it reshines, the chsev the concept that the sun is now, if Yaakov is the sun, so we got sun, sunrise, that's Yaakov in the air Sheva. We have sunset when Yaakov is going to Haran. But that's what's the re what's the re re-rising the next day? If it would mean the next day, then the next part of the Zohar wouldn't make any sense. Because the Zohar says, you should know what does it mean, Velma into its place, Sham Shoyev Zareach, it's re-shining. That's the idea that Yaakov lies down to sleep. That he lie, that he lays down. What's the connection? What is the laying down? And more than that, the laying down was at night, not in the morning. Could have been that he woke up in the morning. That's when it should say that Yaakov is up again. No, no, it doesn't say that. It says the Vayishkav, the lying down. So let's see. Okay. So now the, this is what it says in the Zohar, the Altareb explains. In Rebchi, a ball of fire, say that a pasuk has say that a parsh. Rebchi is coming to explain the order of this pasuk on the order of the parsh. Well, Churi Yeshlov, we need to understand Mashiach pasuk the Vayishkav Elzeh pasuk v'Makoyim. What's the connection of lying down of Yaakov to this pasuk, which says that in its place he? Achir Itchila Yeshlov Hagdim Kavana Kolodus the pasuk Zeva Makoyim Yeshayev. But first, we have to introduce a general intention of this pasuk when it says, "And to his place Shayev, it's shining." So he explains like this, an amazing idea. We turn over the page to page 76. When it arose in the desire of the emanator. See, we're talking the whole time about an emanation. What's the whole sun? The sun is an emanation that's shining forth. But we have to go deeper. We can't look at the emanation. If you're only analyzing the emanation, the emanation is much stronger when it's by day than by night. The sun is much stronger in the day than it is by night. You value much more the day than you value the night. But if you're not dealing with the emanation, but you're dealing with the emanator, and you're wondering why the emanation, then you got to ask yourself, why is the emanator even emanating? What does he have from it? When he needs an emanation, what is he emanating? So if he's emanating day and he's creating day, what's the point of it? And the answer, as he explains, there's no point in day. The, the point and the desire is night and the illumination of the night. That's the intention. 
So for that, he first emanated day so that from the day will eventually come a night and, and the illumination of the night. So if you're concerned with the emanation itself, you're right. The emanation of the day is so much lovelier than the emanation of the night. It's a much weaker light. But if you're concerned with the intention of the emanator, you realize that what the emanator wants is really the dark world. And in that dark world, the little bits of light that come out. That's what he wants. And therefore, there is more emanator in the, in the night than there is in the day. In the light of the night, there's more emanator than there is in, in the emanations of the day. Because where a person's interests are, that's where they, they are, where their intentions are, where their pleasure is. The pleasure that God gets from the lower worlds is infinitely higher than from the higher worlds. Because what he, the pleasure is when from the darkness comes the light. From within a place where it naturally should not be godly, and over there the godly emerges, that gives the emanator pleasure. Comes out that the emanator has more, more oomph, more beingness in the darkness than he is in, in the light. And therefore, Yaakov is far more celebrated when he's in Haran than when he's in the land of Israel. And he's just shining. That's the point. Haran. And that's what he's going to explain is where it says that in the place where the sun sets, over there it's rising. It doesn't mean tomorrow it will rise again on the other side. It means the sunset itself is the rising. That's the Kiddush of the, of the thing. That in the setting itself, that's the rising because that's really the true penimius of the sun. Because that's where the sun, the, the, the creator of the sun's intentions were. That's the idea. The Hine says the kavana of the matzah when the emanator emanated, he wanted something. Why did he emanate? He had some inner intention. An example. If someone builds a, 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 a structure, a house, a building, there, there is the building and there is the builder's intention in the building. What are you doing? Why do you need this? Why do you want this? What's your intention? The person has some kind of an intention that he wants in it. What he wants this thing to serve. So when it arose in the will of the emanator, an internal intention of the will to emanate, what was that? Here is the secret of all of Hasidus Chabad, the main primary teaching of the Alter Rebbe. The point of it all is not to emanate emanations of Atzilus, which are beautiful, godly emanations, they're not the intention because they're better off before they were emanated. Before they were emanated, it was only emanator. So why do you need emanations? Emanations are much weaker than the emanator. All you gained from coming from an emanator to emanations is just a lessening. Of course, to us, the emanations are so powerful. But to the emanator, these emanations were once inside of them and then they were much stronger than when they're expelled, than when they're outside. They're emanations. Every potential is really stronger than the expression of it. So uh, why, why do you have to put the potential into action? I mean, what's the potential is higher than the action, than expression of it. So it's not for There's some inner desire that he has that he will receive after everything is complete. One of the proofs that the point was not atzilus because why didn't he stop with atzilus? If the point was Atzilus, so let, let God end creation at the point of Atzilus. Why does he continue on onward to create lower worlds? What's the point? It's because he has an interest in them. 
what does the Eberster want? God wants there should be a world where there is a creation. And what's creation mean? Yesh mayayin, something from nothing. That means that we feel that there is something, something that, that is not God, something that is us, our space, our world, our existence, our reality. It's created yesh mayayin, something from nothing, me'oira atzilus. Atzilus is still called nothingness because it's still the divine. But Bria is where existence, as we as we begin to know, it starts. He b'shul atzilus atzmoi, because just for the world of atzilus, loy hoya loy rotsen lahatzil klal. God has no desire at all to emanate atzilus. It's atzilus is only a means to an end. The whole emanation of the world of atzilus. It's infinitely brighter than our world. It is so awesome that the Alter Rebbe was even afraid to say the world Atzilus. He couldn't even say the word out of his mouth. That's what true. The Alter Rebbe trembled to say the word of Atzilus. Sometimes in the middle of writing, he would just write Aleph Tzadik. He couldn't even write the word out because he knew what Atzilus is, the Alter Rebbe. He understood it, the infinity, the credibleness of the world of Atzilus. Yet over here he says, God has no, from God's perspective, he has no desire in it. There's nothing to it. Because from the essence of the orange self that's higher than Atsilus, he is utterly removed from all these attributes. These are very cool attributes to us. To him, it's like little nothings, the, attri the, the attributes. He's infinitely beyond all attributes. He could have imagined, he could have emanated endless different types of complete different attributes. We have these 10. And if he would have wanted, he would have made another 50. Different complete, and we don't know what those possibilities are because he never made them possibilities in the universe. But it would have been so, so there's, there's nothing really to them. Not that he has a known righteousness, he doesn't have any of these attributes, he's not even a source for these attributes, he's even beyond that. The intention of the whole, the whole purpose of the whole intent in creation. That, that he, in which he emanated these emanations, rak, what's going to be produced after these emanations, that they should serve as the building blocks for what? For an actual creation. We should end up with a world that is something. Something from nothing. Here there's already creations, beings, beings that have a self, beings that have a... a, a, a uh, 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 identify themselves outside of God. And what is he going to get from that? Ah, and he wants to have a home that they should invite him into his into their world. They should make space for him in their world. And he will have a home in their world. And what does he gain from that? Nothing, but that's what he desired. To be able to ent to, to, to come and live with us. We're, what gives him pleasure that the souls in Gan Eden have delight in him? That's already in a shaman. That's a creation. When we experience God and we're delighted, that gives him a delight. Or even more, here he, here he makes him equal, but in other places he emphasizes more. More than Gan Eden, the service of the tzaddikim, of the righteous, when they are down here in this physical. And they do a mitzvah means down here, we overcome all the obstacles and we do God's will. The final action of creation, the final product, the final physical world, that's what he dreamed of at first. Before he begins the whole project, that's what he's been dreaming of. 
Benimtza comes out, the main intention, inner intention of the emanator, Hushan Islam, was only fulfilled in the world of Bria, the world of creation, and in the world of formation, and of course, and even more than everything, in the world of action or the world of completion, which is our physical world. And not in and now he comes to the explanation and to his very place, that's where it it's 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 the Makoimoi and in its place, simply we learn as earlier, Makoimoi means the place on the east side. wherever it rose yesterday, it's coming around the sun. Makoimoi and to his place, Husham, he is shining over there. What does that mean? This doesn't have any understanding. When he's giving the analogy of the sun, he just mentioned the sun rises and the sun sets. So now when we're talking about the sunset, when the sun sets, so even though even though tomorrow, give it 12 hours or so, or less than that, whatever, it's going to re. It's going to come around, around the world, around the bottom, and then come around on the other side, and it's going to rise again in the east. But in the very same place, where it appeared yesterday, where it appeared at first, which seems to be the intention of the of the verse. and its very place, it 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 shines. It's not understood. What does he mean? It's shining there. It hasn't arrived there yet. He's talking about right after it sets, so it's still beneath the globe of the earth. What is he saying over there at China? I mean, I understand. I mean, you can learn the later. It will go back, but since it seems seems to be very much attached to what he said a moment earlier, the sun sets, and over there it's zareach, it's shining. That's not true. It's only going to be zareach when it comes around all the way around circling the earth on the other side. We can explain it in a different way. This is mind-blowing pshat. That the set, sunset, that's the main sunrise. It's the disappearing of the sun that is really the, the real true beauty of the sun and the light of the sun. Over there, Right at Shkia, that's really when you're getting Zricha. That means right at sunset is when you're getting sunrise. Why? To understand this, based on what we had prefaced before, we'll understand it well. Since the main intention of the emanator, since the whole purpose of why he emanated the sun to begin with is because he wants to have a home in the lower world. So he wants light to, 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 um, to permeate the darkness. He doesn't want the light to blow away the darkness. That's not the point. The light to bit by bit illuminate the darkness. That the, the dark world should become slowly enlightened, slowly enveloped in light. And it should remain a world what it is and yet become illuminated with his light. These are the creations, who are limited. 
which they are recipients of Malchus, which is, as we said before, where you have that massive barrier that blocks the light. After the concealment and the obscurity, and then the light blasts through this partition canal, in the Pirush, in the explanation of which we spoke about the sun setting. Dafka when the light of Chachma gets kind of kind of blocked and sets in this partition to the point that there's no more sun in the sky. Now it's only illuminating with a, with a secondary light. Through Malchus, there is a little bit of godly light. Malchus is called the moon. And Malchus is illuminated by the light of Chachma. So it's like Chachma, it's like the sun shining on the moon. And our light that we have now is we don't perceive the ultimate truth that he is and there's none but him. We perceive that he is our king and we're his subject. So that's called a secondary light. Even when we're experiencing the divine, we're experiencing God as a source of blessing for us, as a source of energy for us. But we still have a sense of beingness because we're not seeing things clearly because there's no sun because Atzilus is not shining over here. If Atzilus would be shining over here, if the light of Chachma would be shining, we, we, we would be evaporated by its light. So, but our God doesn't want that. He wants it to be dark. And in this darkness, we should recognize it. So, Dafka, precisely over there, that's the main sunrise. From the essence of the light of the emanator. Why? Because that's where the emanator's intentions are. Because dafka, and only the end of action, has arisen in the thought. There is more illumination of the essential light. In Bria Yetzir and Asiyah, this is such beautiful words. There is more connection. To the er atzmi, to the essence of the light, in the three lower worlds, then the light that shines in the world of atzilus, over there it's shining emanation, but where is emanator shining? In in this world, the source of the emanation, because that's where his intentions are. Since Atzilus was only emanated, emanated only for the sake of the three lower worlds, canal the dynamic. And that is the meaning of El And to its place, it is striving. When it is setting, it is striving to his place. So he gives this phenomenal explanation of what means his place. And he says like this: Malchus is called Makom. Why is Malchus called Makoim? Because Malchus is the source of time and space. Higher than Malchus, there is no Makom, there's no space. Because there's no time. Time and space go together. So Malchus is called Makoim. Now on the one hand, the very fact that Malchus is called Makoim shows how lowly Malchus is. That she's a source for the finite, the finitude of time and space. That's very, very low. In term, compared to the to the infinity of the divine, of the of, of the of whatever is above Malchus. But what does he refer to Malchus? Malchus is called there's Makom and there's Makomo, his place. The point of Malchus being called his place is the concept that although Malchus is place, which is space, 
It's his space. Why is it his space? Because that's what he desired. He wants a home in it. He desires Malchus. That's the concept that we speak the whole time, that Hashem desires, he desires the Shekhinah. He desires time and space. He desires the world that the Shekhinah represents. He desires her. That's where, and that's why she is his. She is more his than all the other spheres. Then they're not called his. Malchus is called his, his daughter, his space. And that's the morning. El Makoimoi to his space. Zoireach is where he is shining. His very essence is to be found over there. Pirish Makoimoi Upchenis Malchus Datsilas. Shanikro Makom, it's called place. Ki you do as it is known. But Pirishine Makom Iti. When God says to Moshe, the space is with me, it's referring to Shechin, it's referring to Malchus. Ach Pirish Makoimoi. When is Malchus called not just Makom? It's called Makomo, his place. Dafka, when the beginning, when the end is wedged in the beginning, when we make this world God's space, in other words, when we discover that God really wants the physical lowly world, and we utilize and we express him in this world, then Malchus becomes the most desirable thing. And therefore, that's the main sunrise. That means the, the main intention of any divine illumination that is that 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 illuminates in every level of the of the cosmos is for the final product down here below. This is the idea that the end of action, has risen first in thought. This was the main primary intention in the beginning of the thought and the desire. As I then nikra Malchus Mekoimo, then Malchus is called his place. Pirish Mekoimo, it is the place shall atmos amatzel of the essence of the emanator. The fishazel ayakav v'nasayapnimis. This was his initial desire. Kisha olah b'tzayne when it arose in his will. V'zel ovel Mekoimo yushayef to to its place. He's he's striving. Shechoyzer oyer hamatzel elamakoim arichena atzmi to. The, the light of the emanator returns to his initial thought. It's like you're working on a project and you initially you had a spark and then you get involved in all the details of it. And while you're involved in all the details of it, you're not, you're not reconnecting to that. You're not experiencing anymore that initial excitement because you're involved in all the details leading up. And when you finally complete the project and you finally have it operating in a way that you initially you finally, it's like the first thing that happened that is matching the original idea. That's when the last point is touching the first point. That's when it's like re-sparks that, that play. Say, ah, that's what it was. It's only when you get that final thing that that's when you realize, ah, that's what it was at that moment. When I had that great inspiration or I had that great. So that's what he's saying over here. El Makomo, when there's light coming into this dark world in Malchus, Shoyev Zoreach, it's re it's re-sparking the, the initial, most inner point of God's essence. It's only when the lights of Chachma get dim and set, which is the light of the sun at night. It's only night. That's when the intentions of the emanator were fulfilled. And over there, it reignites the initial zricha, the initial illumination. Because all the ten spheroids, attributes of Atzilus, now he says another idea, which is really a continuation. When it's setting, 
and it's going into Bria, it's no more the light of Atsilas, but it's going to be the exact same illumination that was in Atsilas, but in a miniature world. In other words, there's nothing new in Bria. The entire Bria is the same Bria, Yetzir, and Asiya, these three lower worlds. It's exact replica of Atsilas. It's only that Atsilas, it's like, it, it, it's all these details as they exist in the divine. And in Bria, Yetzir, Asiya, it's miniature, miniature uh, imitation, or like, an imitations, miniature encapsulations of these vast, infinite energies. But but it's precisely in these cute miniature pieces in which reflect the whole thing, and that's where the desire is. All the the ten spheres of Atsilas are mischadesh, they become renewed in Bria Yatsir and Asiya, but in a small way. Because over here they find themselves in a state of creation. All the details of the lights of Atsilus are now implemented in the three lower worlds. But over there they find themselves in a limited fashion. The same lights are there, but they are all compressed. It's small in the small mini- miniature. As explained in Eitzchayim, how the worlds of Bria, Yetzir, and Asiya are an exact imitation of, of the vast energies of Atsilos that obviously are infinitely bigger than them. Or, that the lights and the details of the lights of the spheres, and the, and the, and the, and the vessels, and the garments, and the chambers, the Bia of Bria, Yetzir, and Asiya, it's all a, a, a replica and similar to the world of Atsilus. Because Malchus of Atsilus, which is the tail of the lion, becomes the head of Bria. And so she takes whatever she saw in Atsilus and she just refashions them into creations. All the divine, powerful, beautiful expressions are refashioned into into created entities that match these incredible beauty of the orange self the magnificent color of the orange self in atsilos and are now captured just in creations in angels and then eventually in people and in objects in this world and obviously on a far 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 inferior manner but precisely that inferior manner is is the intention of the emanator. Uh, but uh, becomes the Kesser of the world of Bria in a Orishal Tolda. And obviously, in order to create such miniatures, you got to reduce the light dramatically. So it's not even original light, it's only a reflection of it, like we spoke earlier. It comes out that all the lights of Atsilus have to be, must be found in the world of Bria. Al-Derech Marshall, this is my mirror of analogy, be kias or, where the light blasts through, Derech Masach, through the partition, Shekuloi Meiru it's the same light, it's just once it passed through the partition, it's a already secondary light, but it's the same exact light. It is shining there from new, but this is the main intention, Kanal Vadaila
Im calls out with all of this, we'll understand Yuvamasha Pidish Rabhiya Pasik Zen. We'll understand what Rabhiya explains this Pasak. Now we'll understand what it has to do with Yaakov. Now how we, how Rabhiya is aligning this verse about the sun rising and the sun setting, and how when it's setting over there is where it's it's really rising, how this is reflecting the story of Yaakov again. It says by Yaakov that after he lodges, as he stays at night, Vayishkav, he lies down. in that place. So what does that mean? We said earlier, the sun rising is that Yaakov, go, Yaakov is in Be'er Sheva. When the sun sets, that's the Pirush of that Yaakov goes to Choram. And then when it says, and to his place, he is he is shining, which comes to emphasize how the setting itself is the most important part, is now explained in the idea, what does Yaakov do when it gets dark? Does he cop out? Does he throw in the towel? Does he say, I quit? Doesn't do that. What does he do? He illuminates that place. In which way? By Yishkav, he lies down. So according to, and, 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 and how does he explain what does lying down mean? It comes from two words, yishkav, which means to lie down, is from comes from the word yesh chav beis. There are twenty-two. And what does that mean? There are twenty-two. Bina is called yesh. Earlier we said that chachma is called yesh, because compared to keser, chachma is called yesh. But between chachma and bina, chachma is called ayin, nothingness. It's still potential energy. Bina is already called fixed energy. So Bina is called Yesh. Chav Beis, what's Chav Beis? Chav Beis is Malchus, because Malchus is words, speech. Malchus is the power of speech, and there are 22 letters of speech. So Bina is Yesh, and Chav Beis is Malchus. Bina and Malchus. What does Yaakov do when he passes through the darkness, the partitions, where there is no more direct illumination of the light of Chachma? He blasts through the darkness with the 22 letters of the Torah, with Bina and Malchus, with Caleb, with the vessels, with the containers. Bina and Malchus are both vessels. In other words, he doesn't have any more raw, pure, infinite energy, but he can still activate this energy through what? Through holy words of Torah. In other words, when we find, when we come down into a world that's dark, what was Yaakov doing? When he was in Lavan's house, he was studying Torah the whole time, speaking Torah in 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 midst of the work and midst of all that, he was illuminating it with godly light. He's going to learn amazing that the lying down was the highest level. Why? Because this is the main intention. Shalamatzel of the emanator canal. What does that mean? Yesh is Bina. Yesh is Bina. That's Silas. It's called Yesh. I will give to, to make inherent those who love me, Yesh. Sages learn out this is the six, 310 worlds that they're going to have, which is related to Bina because you have understanding in godliness. The Chav Beis is Malchus. Malchus. 22. That's Malchus. Chavbeis Azvin the Dibor, the twenty-two letters of speech, which represent who Saif Maisa Shaalu b'Machshavat Chila. This is the end of action that has arose in thought. 
Va'al Kain Omar Vayishka Bamakamahu. Oh, so I was learning, I made a mistake. I think I made a mistake. I was saying that Yesh and Chavbeis are the two are, are the things that Yaakov is doing now. But it's not that way. What he's doing now is primarily working through Malchus. He's doing Chavbeis, the 22 letters. That's what he's using. But and but what's Bina? Bina is the beginning. Begin, remember we said before, the end of action is what arose in the beginning of thought. So the Bina, I think this is what he's referring to, is considered thought. That's the beginning. Yesh Chavbeis means he's connecting the 22 letters to the initial. Even though all he's working is just with letters of Torah. All we're dealing with in this dark world is with tiny little spurts of godliness. We don't have any more of that. But Dafka that is touching the very beginnings of Bina, the Yesh, the Machshavat Chila, the beginning of thought is impacted. So Vayishkav, that the Chav Beis and the Yesh go together, that the end of action is in the beginning of Machshavah, is the, is the initial excitement of the thought that's captured in this Vayishkav. He's lying down in that place. What's Makom? We said before, Makom is time and space. Choron, creation, meaning limitation. And even deeper than that. He's lying down. He's touching now Makom, that very first quintessential place. That's Hashem's desire to create at the very, very core, core, core in the nucleus of God. That's called Makaimahu, that place, all the way up. It's what Yaakov is doing now is registering much higher than everything he did in the 78 years he was before he went to Khar. Because over there, he was still in the world of light. He was not in the world of darkness. What he does over here, which is in the world of Malchus, which is Yesh Chavbez, Bamakaimahu is stimulating in that place, all the way in the origins of origins. Because the end is wedged in the beginning canal. And watch this. And he finds this idea also in the simple meaning of lying down. According to this, this idea is hinted to in a play of the words. Yishkav means yeshchav beis. Fine. But yishkav also means to lie down. So how does it relate to the idea of laying down? And the answer is very, very interesting, he gives when you're standing, when you're standing or sitting throughout the day, we stand and we sit. So what's your relationship with the place that you're that your place that you're occupying? What's your relationship with that place? Your relationship with that place is that your lower part of you is connecting to the place. The higher part of you is removed from the place because your head is far from the ground. The place that's holding you is the earth, right? That little, you know, I don't know, one one by one foot that you're you're occupying right now. Every person occupies about a foot in width and in space, a little more foot and a half, fine. That's your space. How is that space connecting to you? To your feet. Your head is removed. When you're lying down, what's happening? Your entire body is on the ground and your head too is also on the ground. So now he's saying like this. When Yaakov was in Be'er Sheva, when Yaakov was till now, he, it says he didn't lie down. He was actually, actually physically he was awake. He didn't, he, he would, he would, he would never lie down. So what does that mean? Yaakov represents the divine illumination. 
that that in the space where Yaakov was, whether in Be'er Shava, he's in Bina, and then later when he's in the seven emotions, wherever he's going, only the feet of the divine are touching that place. But the head of the divine, the inner, inner, inner point is not connecting to that place because God doesn't have a desire in those illuminations. So he, he, he wants them to a certain degree, of course, but his head, which means his, his deepest point, is, is not to be found over there. But when he finally comes to Haran, which means, or he's going to Haran, even though he didn't come to Haran yet, but he's going to Haran, that means he's going into the darkness. Suddenly, Yaakov, which represents God in this case, not only his feet is in that place, his head is, is touching that place. What does that mean? It means that God's head is in the place of darkness because that's where God's thrill is. His thrill and his pleasure and his and his and his and his whole his whole um, um, nachas uh, a sensation that he has in creation and desire that he creates and pleasure he has in creation is is in the darkness and the choices that we make in the darkness. So therefore, and only in that place is where the head as well, which represents the highest level of the divine, touches the space. That means the space of Be'er Sheva was not touched by God's head. The space of Haran was touched by God's head. How can it be Haran is so antithetical to God? Yeah, but the intentions of God is that we should make him a home in the low, and over there is where the low is. So, this is like the way of lying down physically. It's a person spreads out his body on the earth. That also his head he puts on the earth. It's the opposite of standing. That the head stands above. We'll understand also in the metaphor that in Bria, in the three lower worlds, over there it is revealed. The whole head is to be found and touching the ground in Bria, in Choron, or on the way to Chara. The inner intention of the essence of the emanator canal. is lying down with his head on the ground. is only in that place. That place is called his place. Like we said earlier, because that's where God has the intention. So it's opposite the way we think. We always look at the inspired moments in our life. And those are the meaningful moments of our life. When it's when we're inspired, when we're flying, when we're soaring. And when we're, you know, struggling with really, with really difficulties and hardships and darknesses, we look at those times as like, as like, you know, we're not proud of those times. We're not interested in those times. We're not, we don't celebrate those times. And according to the truth, it's the opposite. It's when we're struggling in the very darknesses and resistances of whether ourselves or the environment around us, the people around us, and so on and so forth. And we feel weak and we feel overpowered and so on and so forth. And yet we do the right thing in the midst of those things. That's exactly when is the most meaningful moments in our existence from God's perspective. That's your most shining moment. Your darkest moments are your most shining moments. That's the absurdity of all of this. That's where you'll find God's head, not just God's feet. You know, illumination, excitement, inspiration, that's Hashem's feet. 
But where you're, where, where it's difficult, that's where Hashem's head is. Invested. That's the Nekudah. Then the Alter Rebbe is going to continue over here with another two pages. Three, three pages. So we're going to have to leave this for... Really wanted to finish till over here, the full other page. I didn't understand this piece so well. But I'm afraid there'll be too much to leave for next week. I don't want to leave so much. Let's learn a little further. The Zohar continues, even though my eyes are closing. So the Zohar continues and the Zohar says, V'tochazi and come and see. Shimsha the son, Afagav the Nor Lachol Alman. And the again, the Altareb is interpreting the Zohar. The Zohar says, Come and see the sun, even though it illuminates the whole world, Mat Metal No Nuhi, its actual path, the light of the sun is equal across the sky. But the path of the sun every day, Betrain Sitrin Inun, it goes in the two directions of the sky. It goes in the north and in the south. What happens to the sun is first it goes to the to the south. In the beginning of the day, you'll find the sun is coming up in the east and it's going southward. Somewhere towards the afternoon, the sun is moving and it starts going, and when it sets, it's more in the northern northeast. It rises and east and it goes more south, southbound. And then the sun moves, it's circle, it goes like this. And it moves back towards the north before it goes down, um, before it goes down and, and sets in the west. So the Zohar is going to explain the content of what that means, that there's a message over here of the divine path. If the sun is the divine, if the sun is metaphoric for the divine, it's not the divine, but it's metaphoric for the divine. So it's illumination from the east to the south and then to the north and finally to the west is conveying a message. What does it say? So the Zohar says, even though the sun illuminates the entire sky, but its actual path, first it goes to the south, it turns to the north, the reason it does that is first it goes to the right side. A south is considered right. When you're facing east, south is to the right. And then it goes to the north, which is the which is the left. Which means that the light of the divine is going to explain soon. First illuminates the the sphero, the attributes that are on the right side, which is Chesed, um, Netzach, and and Chachmach, um, Chesed, and Netzach, which are all on the right side. Then it illuminates the the left side, which is which is Bina, Gavura, and Hod. And then it sets down. It sets in Ma'ariv by Malchus. So explain what that means. But initially, it emerges every day. It, 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 it emerges every day from the east side. Then it moves to south. And afterwards, it moves to the north. And from the north, it goes to the west. 
And the sun then, I think it means gathers, which is in the west. That's when it sets. It goes out from Mizrach. That's That's the idea that Yaakov went out of Be'er Sheva. It goes to the west. That's Yaakov going to Haran. That's the result. So now the Altareb explains that in this Maimei comes to bring a proof to the intentions of the Pasuk. To its place it is. And what did he explain earlier? Makomo is what? That even though it's it's illuminating first on the highest levels and then it's setting and it's much weaker, but the ultimate pleasure and intention is when it sets. So this is actually the, the path of the sun going first to the south and then to the north is actually a demonstration and a proof that its real intention all along is 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 really in the west from this that the sun goes first south and then north turning to the north that's that's actually going to be a proof that its real intention all along is 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 to get to the west side to the mire how do you see that it's the it's the ultimate intention of the emanator is what shoyef is to get to the uh canals we said earlier should i say that this is the order of the verse first it first it first it it um it it rises then it sets then it goes to the north and it goes it goes to the south and to the north this will be a proof to what he said earlier. You'll see this is the proof. What's the proof? What's the intention of this? It's actual path of the sun. Not sunlight, but the actual path of the very globe of the sun, the orb of the sun itself, as that it's going first, to the north and then to, first to the south and then to the north. Indian who shall the is coming to um, to um, analyze the pasuk. Why is it going first to the south? Why is it going afterwards to the north? Like everybody can see it with their own eyes. When the sun rises on the east, it's it's moving to east south more to, than east north. Sometime in the middle of the day, it, it, it starts moving diagonally across towards the northern side of the sky. From the north to the west, as we said. What's the reason for that? Because the main primary illumination of the sun, it really is, the, it's representing, the sun again is encapsulating and representing the illumination of the divine into the world, which is, Chachma energy, new infusion of Chachma light, Kanaan. It really wants to illuminate all the entire sky, all six directions. Levav Ketzav is the which spiritually means it wants to illuminate the six emotions, which is the primary uh, underpinnings of creation. Shenikra Alma, that's called the world. Like we say, six days God created the world. And that's what the Zohar says. Even though it's shining to the whole world, which means to all six emotions, to the entire world of Atzilus, which in general that's referring to the Zeir Anpin, as it is now. 
the order of the way it actually shines first the illumination is shining in chesed which doesn't only mean chesed only kindness it means the entire right side as we call it that's why it's going south south is Chesed is the south. That's why Avram Avinu, who was a man of Chesed, was always traveling south. He was attracted to the south. South is Chesed. Like it says, How do you know that Chesed is the first initial energy of the world? Pasuk says, when I said, God says, when I said I want to make a world, Chesed Yibon, I did it through kindness. So kindness is the first emotion, the first initial energy. The first construct of the Ze'er Anpin, which is the world, is from kindness. And after God finished constructing the right side, he continues constructing, he continues constructing to the left. It, it goes to the left side where it, where it, where it, where it enters into the side of Gevura, the Tzafin of the north. The north is associated with Gevura. As we know, the north is usually colder. Sunlight represents kindness. Gevura is cold because it's more restrained. Like a person who's very Gevura dig, they're pretty cold. A person who's very Chesed dig is very warm. But we're talking about over here not withholding light. That's not the point over here. It's the manner of how God is illuminating. It's it, it's all an influence. It's all an illumination, but there's two ways of illuminating. One is to illuminate with mellow kindness, and the other one is to illuminate and to shine and to transmit with intense, um, with intensity of of gevura. And there's a certain point of why Hashem doesn't leave things just mellow and cool, because we wouldn't we, then we wouldn't have any interest in Him. Because a constant cool flow of goodness and kindness doesn't 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 create any romance, doesn't create any. There always has to be a little bit of the intensity that creates the energy, the fire, the spark. So God doesn't leave his energy just being oh nice and kind all that. He, he keeps us constantly in the dance because Dafka that teases us, it gets us involved and it gets us into it. It's the energy has to flow also into the Gavura. It can't stay on the chesed. First, it's from Chesed. Then he contracts it into judgment. On the one hand, you put it through the side of Gevura because it would just be Chesed. It's it's infinite. It's flowing. There's no. It's only expansive. So it has to contract so that we can receive it in our vessels. But he's going to explain more than that. It's not only that we should be able to receive it in our vessels, so it's going through certain filtrations, which has to do with the left. The left is withholding. Like we see, the first one wants to prove that idea that in general, to create the world, first you have to have chesed, or else there's no, there's, there's nothing to work with. But then, what does it say? The world was just expanding and expanding until God said, enough. Which means God, like, constricted. Die. That's gavura. Which is gavura. This is what he's saying that the path of the sun is in the two sides. First, first in kindness, which means the illumination of Chachma energy is first into kindness, 
For example, I'll give you an example. Every day in the morning, what are we daven? Shachras. Shachras is chesed. Avram Avinu. We focus the energy into kindness. But in the afternoon, still day, still illumination. We, we daven mincha. We activate Yitzchak. We activate Gevura. Because we need Gevura. And that's in the afternoon. Because that's when the sun is going towards the north. It's still, it's still illuminating. It's still day. But it's going towards the north side. It's going north is, is, is Gevura. First it's the chesed. And afterwards it's in the gevur. That's why it goes first south. That's why then it goes to the north. The sun itself. Not its light. Its light is all over at the same time. It's not like brighter in the north or in the south. You're going to look up in the, in the, in the, in the day. You're going to see it's bright everywhere. The sun, the illumination. But we're talking about the sun itself. Its own journey. It's general light. It's illuminating the whole world. All equally, all four directions. You want to follow the path itself. East, south, north, west. Afterwards into the north. Even though we're shining to the whole world equally. Its own path. What's the reason? The reason why, on the one hand, the whole world is illuminated together by the sun is because the sun itself, because it's Chachma. Chachma is the father for all seven emotions, for all six emotions. And it includes everything equal. Because in Bina, there's already differentiations. Chachma has the whole, all the details in one point. So Chachma is equal. That's why the sun itself, which represents the light of Chachma, shines equally everywhere. But, when the sun comes out from Be'er Sheva, from east, which means Chachma is going through Bina, that's where there's already differentiation. There is the south side, the north side, and the sun is now following these, it's following already the, the, the it's already, the sun itself is acknowledging the, 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 the individual, the individual aspects of it, that there is chesed, and there is gevura, and first it's going to endorse chesed, then it's going to endorse gevura and strengthen gevura. But why is it following that way? Why does it have to go to the gevura side at all? We're going to see soon, because since it wants to engage malchus and the creations, it needs to not just to be able to pour into them. The light has to be limited, but also to engage them. Because if God would constantly flow only chesed, we would never be provoked to be in a relationship. And that's, we know that in every relationship, it's the gavura side of things that attract the opposite, that spark the, the energy, the fire. Um, and now he explains, it goes out from the east. Mizrach, as we discussed earlier in the Maima, that's the Yisod element of Bina. That's Mizrach is receiving from Chachma, that's why it's called Mizrach. That's Bina. That's it's called Mizrach because it's receiving the light of Father, of Chachma. That's why from the east is where after the sun rises in the east, that's when it starts going north, south, because that's when the Mizrach is the source for all the individual sides. Kav Yamin, Bedarim, the right side, 
is in the south. Kaf Smoil Betzafin, the left side is in the north. Canal. If you should recite Ema, because the mother is responsible for the individual the individual children. No, the, the emotions are born with a divisible, revealed, identifiable uh, definitions. As we spoke earlier. But the Yisod of Chachma blast through the, the, the Mizrach, which is the Bina, which is the light of the sun. And it illuminates the whole world, to all six directions. Primarily the first three, Chesed, Gevurah, Teferis. She goes out from the Mizrah. And the reason, why is it going to the west? But why is it going first to the south and then to the north? More than that. When it's coming towards Mayrav, it's not going. When it's going towards west, it's not going from it's not it's not taking the southern route, it's taking the northern route. Why? Why doesn't the sun just stay on the on, 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 on the south side of the sky the whole time? Why is it zigzagging like this and then landing in the west that way? Very interesting idea. Because Chesed's nature is very cool. Like water. Because it's a continuous flow from up down. When God wants to create the world, He's allowing the Chesed to flow. But the Gevura that comes from the south, from the north, that's where there's fire. That's where there is a, 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 a certain intensity, there is a chamimus, there's a heat. Like, for example, when you give a class, the teacher has information. Now, people, how will people be impacted by that information? You can have the most brilliant teacher who teaches a lot of great information. And if it's just a constant mono uh, uh, flow of information, the students walk away maybe enlightened, but they're not like, ah. but when the teacher at the middle of the class goes wild and gets excited and they start speaking like with energy, with passion, like from their, from their heart, that passion and that fire in the heart, like the sages say, the words that go out of the heart penetrate and wake up the recipient. The recipient needs to be captured by fiery words. And that's Kavura. Kavura is the fiery words, the, the mellow flow. It's not, it's not really, it's not provoking the, the, the recipient. To stimulate the recipient, you need to have the fire. You need, to, you need to add a zinger. You need to add a little jalapeno into it. And that comes from the left. As he says, when words go out of the heart, with flaming fire, they make the listener, it makes a mark in the heart of the listener. And he becomes moved by that excitement. It's the fire of the speaker that goes in and, and, and fires up the recipient. The Kachlamai looks in, the audience gets inflamed with the flame of the speaker, fiery words. The Kachlamai looks in, and the same is also above. But you can take, you take, take all the greatest ideas of 
very, very, take Martin Luther King's speech, I had a dream. And take away the fire and the passion of the delivery and just give over there, just write it down and just read it. Not it didn't, it wouldn't have any impact. It was the fire, it was the energy. And suddenly everybody's like, whoa, it like took the, it takes the world, it takes the person, it fires up the people. And that fire is, the, is what captures the, the recipient. And that's the, a communicator is able to do that. Communicate, not just an idea, but an idea, an idea with passion. That means that the initial desire to teach and to give over and to share is kindness, but the somehow that that sun has to move to the north and pick up some heat, and only then will the recipient be engaged. Since God wants the engagement of the recipient, which is the West, which is the world, so He has the sun. So the sun follows that path. It goes from the it it emerges from the east goes. To the kindness moves to the to the gavura and then goes down to malchus. And, and that's what it says in the pasuk. His left hand is beneath my head. If God wants our head to draw, he has to, he has to extend his left. To awaken the recipient, that the recipient, which represents in our case the worlds, the creation, that they should be able to raise feminine waters, that they should get excited. Why they kava smoila elyon? It comes through the left, the supernal left side. There's a eram pendafi. Kamoshikas of smoila. Washtach. But what do you see from here? You see that the intentions then is the recipient. If the intention wasn't malchus, then why do you have to move so much to the left? It's because you want to provoke and you want to awaken the 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 creations. You want to awaken the audience. That because without here's the thing. If it if I guess I guess I'm understanding it right now. If the teacher, if the speaker would be all about projecting themselves and not about the audience and the crowd, that would all just be, then they can give the speech without any fire and passion. You want to give your ideas, share your ideas, go into an empty room and share your ideas. If it's just about expression of self. But since you want to impact the crowd, which means you want their action, you want their participation, you want their their data be fired up. That's the reason why you have to add jalapeno, you have to add fire into your speech, because that's what take the crowd, the emotion, the words that come from the heart will go into the heart. So going back to the beginning, if all that God wanted was Atsilos, what's Atsilos? Atsilos is for him expressing himself. And then he wouldn't have to move so much to the left side. And he would stick, the, the illumination could stick on the right side. Because self-expression works through cool illumination. But since the point over here is not self-expression, the servant of it is to be in a relationship. There should be a recipient. There should be a world. And, should be the, and the intentions is the, 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 the relationship and the communication with them that they should reciprocate and get excited about it. For that, he has to move his energy to the left side. Because only the, the left is provocative. The left, the left is what? Is what turns on the recipient, and that's the point. Um, like Biasa Malchus to raise her head, Lios Lakoyach to give her power, Lahalosman for her to raise feminine waters. They Shakav smile Zed Zah because the, the the left side from the Zayrampin who Yoitze goes out bepchenas gevuda isrish peish. It goes out with flaming fire. It can evoke the recipient. It's like you see, where is the most dramatic 
marriage of Chassan and Kala in the Torah. That like captures the romance more than, not when Avram and Sarah got married, and not when Yaakov and Rachel and Leah, there's a lot of drama there, but not in like, it's in Yitzhak and Rivka. Rivka is coming, and Yitzhak is out praying, and she sees him, she falls off the camel, and she's come, and he takes her, and he loves her, and he takes her. There's a lot of romance, you know, romance described in that marriage. In Yitzhak and Rivka, why? Because Yitzhak is Gevura. And he's out there in the afternoon, it's when the sun is on the north, kind of, and he's praying, and she's coming right at that moment, and that's where she's completely taken by him, and he, and she and, and she wants to be his 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 wife. That It happens dafke and Yitzchak. It can evoke the recipient like the nature of fire. And what does fire do? The fire goes into the object and it and 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 it elevates that object that the fire is touching. It 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 grabs that thing. Water goes and touches it. It's a little wet, but it doesn't it doesn't change it. The fire goes in and completely transforms it. Which is the kindness, which is coldness like water. Doesn't have the power to evoke the recipient. That they should be able to do something. They should be able to evoke. That's the reason why the sun doesn't go to the west, which is to the recipient, until it first passes through the north. Because in the west is where the shechinah. Malchus, Kidua. So you need to awaken her. Al Yedei Kava Smoil Dezot through the left side of the Zeiram Pendafke Canal. Veloi Medarim, and that's from kindness. Afapishu Pchenes Ava Vechesed. Even though it's love and it's kindness, Aval Eino Berish Peesh, there's no flaming fire. Loided Azulasa, it's a cool flow. So it doesn't evoke the recipient. Like explained in the previous example. But this itself, you see, since this is the path the sun does, which represents the entire divine flow, because the sun is only mimicking and reflecting, is that God wants the recipients. He wants the relationship. Because if not, why would he send it to the north? Why would he Why would he move to the north? Because he wants to provoke us. After he explains that he goes to the south, which is for the sake of Mayrev. The only reason he goes to the south and then to the north is for what purpose? It's for the sake of Mayrev for the west. Kimavur has explained. And now we'll understand the proof. Now this will prove the idea that he said earlier. Well, what? Why does he care about the recipient? Because that's his main intention. Because sunset, that's really sunrise. Because the Abishta wanted to have a creation, something from nothing. He wants a world. He wants a lower, and he wants this lower world to engage him and to involve him. So this was the main intention of the of the emanator. You see that that the entire emergence of the sun from the east towards west will follow the path of south and then north be only because of this purpose. is for the sake of west. To be able to elevate the west. Because the end of action is what was the initial provocative, the, the, what provoked the initial emanation to begin with. to say that apostle, so now we'll understand the verse really good. The sun rises, the sun sets. 
This is the general going of the sun. The beginning, the and the end of its setting. And then the verse explains the details of how it journeys. From south to north. Because as he's coming to explain the whole in main intention from the very beginning, in the order of this whole journey, from the beginning to the end, because this is the what's the place that he desires and he's and he, and he and he and he's yearning for is the setting canal as we said earlier he goes to the south begin the doyamina because that's the right canal every day it comes out from bina the iskinish of it's setting in the west it's not suffering, but from which side? From the north. Yaakov goes out from Beersheba. Which is the assault element of Mother Canal. The Azalamaya goes to the west. Okay. Now, this is so we finished the part that I didn't want to have to do next week. And then comes Rip Shimon. And Reb Shimon says that this whole, this was Reb Chia. Reb Shimon argues only on one point. Reb Shimon is going to say that this whole idea that you're saying that we went to Haran, Yaakov going to Haran, is that Yaakov represents the lights of, of, of Chachma going down to Malchus, but Malchus is still Atzilus. Yes, it's the source of the lower dark worlds, but it's still Atzilus. That's not really Haran. Haran is outside of the land of Israel. So Haran has to be outside of the complete range of holiness. So therefore, he's going according to the Rav Shimon by Yochai. Charan represents a much lower place than Malchus. Malchus is still divine. It's actually going into the klipa. That's what it is. So Rav Shimon is going to explain, and then Rav Chia is going to continue as we're going to see what that means and the whole process of him taking the stones and putting them around his head, and what does all this means? As we shall see, Bezus Hashem, we shall conclude this Ezra Hashem next week. Wow. Well.